0: Let's get ready to catch up on what was probably one of the best playoff, you know, NFC, AFC championship games, honestly, in the NFL history for a while. Also, too, we have some major announcements. So let's get ready to just dive into all of it. Welcome to Not Your Average Cheerleader NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Gibbs, and here we cover the NFL players, the game, the contracts. Man, we even cover the injuries. So I need you to sit back, relax. If you're all about the NFL, you're in the right place. I'm about to throw some commentary your way. So you know what? Go ahead and grab your coffee, grab your tea, grab your food, because we're about to get this party started. I feel like you always say recording a podcast is like one of the easiest things to do, but I feel like it's not always easy to do. Like you have the most. Difficult headphone problems. Anyway, um, I am now back for what is one of possibly three episodes left for season three. Um, As you know, we had our AFC-NFC championship. It was Kansas City versus the Bengals. It was the 49ers versus um, the uh, LA Rams. And when I say that, I honestly think this was probably one of the best playoff like brackets, games, lineups i think we've had in a very very long time it just lots of overtimes lots of come down to the kicker practicing in the corner warming up lots of you know who can make the best play call with like literally 60 seconds left on the clock and so we of course we had some announcements you're probably aware but let's go topic by topic and take some time to discuss a few things Starting with the games, okay? So as you know, I I've been predicting. I got 50%. If this was a test, I probably would have failed. I would have failed. But I will say this, I'm happy that I predicted the Bengals would beat Kansas City. As you already know, I was reading for the Bengals. Joe Burrow probably has one of the best stories. He's one of the few number 1 draft picks to honestly take their team to the Super Bowl in 2 years of starting. Um, which is absolutely amazing. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27 to 24. It literally came down to a field goal kick and it went into overtime at that. So the game was tied. It went into overtime and Patrick Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does best. He gets frazzled. He doesn't maintain his composure, and he starts making really bad passing choices. And that's kind of what you saw in overtime. He threw the ball to one of his wide receivers. It bounced off his wide receiver's hands. A Bengals cornerback or safety or whoever it was standing there was like, ooh, caught it, I'm going to take off running and go down. And they just gave the Bengals back the ball a whole lot quicker. So a lot of people were asking, you know, you know, is this the end or is Kansas City in trouble for this whole dynasty thing that everybody was talking about? Because we all want another dynasty. We know about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Um, we know about that dynasty. We looked to Kansas City to possibly be the new dynasty, but that performance at that game, it was their game to lose. They lost it. You had a great coach. You had a great quarterback. You had great weapons and you you had a decent defense you lost that game. And I know the look on their faces when the Bengals were celebrating and they just put the camera on Travis Kelsey and his face was this like just heavily disappointed, salty look. And I understood that because I was just like, hey, I would be mad too. You work card; You really thought you had this game in the bag. You were, by the way, up beating the Bengals by double digits and you allowed them to come back, close the gap, tie the game, and then beat you in overtime. They once again started talking about, well, should we change the overtime rules? I don't know, because I feel like the overtime rules have worked differently for different teams. I feel like it worked for Kansas City against the Bills, and then it backfired against Kansas City against the Bengals. Okay. Um, so I don't know if they're – honestly don't think they're going to change the overtime rules. I think they've kept it this way for such a long time, and a lot of the teams – see the benefits of it, like, oh, well, if I get the ball first and we score, why should we allow the other team to score again? And we're right back where we started. And it actually calls for more ties in the NFL, to be very honest with you. But that's just my thought process. But again – so as you know, like Patrick Holmes, very great quarterback, just his caliber, what he's accomplished in his first, you know, see, you know, multiple seasons as a starter behind, you know, after Alex Smith. I really think that a lot of the negative press surrounding him is with his uh, fiance and his um, brother and so there was a lot of memes and on social media, you could probably go look it up. They were a lot of fans were rooting for the Bengals to win just because they didn't want to have to deal with the Is uh, flamb- I don't want to say flamboyant. I don't know if that's the right term, but just kind of their... Um, their behaviors at these games because um, there are some times where it's been possibly um, taken out of context or sometimes it's considered rude or there's just a lot of drama surrounding it and nobody likes drama football is a mental sport overall being physical and just the fact that all your negative press is not coming from anything you're doing it's coming from what your fiance and your family's doing it's it's really difficult I can only imagine but I will say this Just watching the number of fans that supported the Bengals just because they didn't want to have to deal with the other side at the Super Bowl is just really insane to me. What a great game. It was absolutely phenomenal. I will say the Bengals, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, just that defense alone making multiple stops, holding Kansas City to, what, three points only in the half, the second half. Absolutely phenomenal. I feel bad for my dad. My dad is a Kansas City fan. And I say, hey, you'll get him next time. And not knowing that I'd be saying the same thing about myself in the following hour. So um, I will say this, like, I do like one thing that the Bengals did, right? They were talking to the announcers and they just kept passing. You see the field goal line, like there's a red line on the field that shows you, hey, this is where they need to get to just do a field goal kick and win the game. So they got there and they kept going, kept throwing and running the ball. And the announcer was like, I would stop running the ball at this time and just, kick the daggone field goal. And he said, is there any way he would probably miss this field goal? And the other announcer guy, I guess he's like an analyst or whatever, was like, I would center the ball more, but I can't see him really missing this. There's no wind gust, There's no nothing. He should really be able to kind of get this between the two poles. So what they did for him, the kicker who was warming up, Joe Burrow ran a ball and literally landed right in the middle. He centered the ball where his kicker, And I thought that was just smart how they were purposely moving the ball over so they kept running so they could center the ball. You go back and watch the replays of that last overtime play. I thought that was very strategic and I thought it was a very good strategy. There was no reason why that kid could come out there and miss that kick. Just not a single one. Um, And they did and it blew my mind. I was sitting here at my desk. I was doing um, some homework and I was watching the game on my uh, just multiple screens running because that's just who I am. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Did they just beat Kansas City? And I I was blown for like 30 seconds that they did it. And then you got Joe Burrow, who was walking in with this like chain iced out around his neck. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go look at the pictures. Please do. You just knew that kid was going to come into this game and just do something crazy. I don't know about nobody else. I did. (laughs) I was like, okay, okay, JoJo. I'm with it I'm feeling you right now I'm getting what you're putting down and they asked him at the press conference they said hey is your chain real because it was pretty iced out and he said I make too much money for it not to be real what a quote that, if that ain't boss moves I don't know what it is y'all I really don't but yeah check out the highlights from that game that was probably my favorite game next to the Buffalo Bills versus Kansas City game that was like it's own mini Super Bowl they just kept feeling us with it now on to the 49ers and the LA Rams as you know 49 is faithful on this podcast. That was our game to lose because we were winning. We were up, I think, by seven or eight points. And I was just really mind blown at how we, I just don't want to play the blame game, y'all. Y'all see, I'm rubbing my eye right now. So I'm just like, I just do not want to play the blame game. But at the end of the day, I feel like at times we put the ball in Jimmy G's hands and Jimmy G does what could be the only Jimmy G thing to do. And that's throw interceptions. I just literally, you can't do that with this team. Matthew Stafford balled out on the Rams' side. Odell Beckham Jr., he got his $750,000 incentive bonus. Check that out. And they they won. I mean, and they beat us 20-17. to 17, So it was a field goal kick. You have to remember, these games aren't being blown out. Like, But you would think, wow, we might actually do this if we could hold this for another quarter and a half. And so in... I think there was like 60 seconds left on the clock and we got the ball back. So this was a chance for us to actually score and take a touchdown and take the lead. And it was fourth and two. And they asked coach Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers later, did you ever think about going for it on fourth and two? Obviously, according to this story, he didn't do it, but they asked him if he thought about it. and He said, no, I never did. Not a single thought. And I'm thinking to myself, sometimes you got to play aggressive and not so conservative And I feel like they talked a lot about Coach Sean McVay from the L.A. Rams, how he plays conservative and how sometimes that can cost you a game and how Kyle Shanahan's more risky. He was not risky in this game. The only risk he took was giving Jimmy G the ball. But shout-out to Debo Samuel, y'all. Shout-out to number 19. That guy carried the 49ers on his back by motivating the team by just his performance alone. He literally, if his contract doesn't get improved – any team would pick him up in 30 seconds. I kid you not. I can't wait to see what the contracts look like in the offseason. Because Debo came through, running touchdown. George Kittle scored a touchdown. It was just amazing to watch his performance. And when they lost, there was this really sad moment. He was on the sideline, on the bench, crying, tears in his eyes. And OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., comes over and takes a minute from celebrating to just console him because he realized that guy played a hell of a game. Debo played a hell of a game. Like, the 49ers played a really good game. Debo really put his heart and soul out on that field, took hits that, God help me, there was one time where he actually was, like, running. You will watch the play, and he's running towards the end zone to score. And you can see, like, the I'll say this, the LA Rams got some fast cornerbacks and safety because, I mean, homeboy almost caught him, and then Debo sped up, so he wasn't even at top speed yet. He sped up and then just dove for the cone and got it and scored the t- it was really it just a beautiful play i was like mind blown and i'm just like this guy like he it was so heavy for him and so shout out to him hell of a game debo debo samuel you're you're one of my favorite players in my book next to george kittle like you're you're my top player right now in the league your performance all season really showing us what flexibility looks like. You could be a wide receiver and be used as a fullback, be used as a, sorry, that was my watch, be used as a fullback, be used as, you know, a running back. Whatever Kyle Shanahan needed him to do, he did it. And this team has what it takes to legit come back and go back to the Super Bowl, but they need a quarterback to do it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I understand that everybody's a fan of Jimmy G. I am too when he plays well, but, I think if you get a quarterback with the caliber of, like, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, we we have the weapons. It's kind of like almost we're like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were before Tom Brady showed up down there. We legit have all the weapons in the world. We just need a good quarterback who can throw accuracy with the passes, and that's where we struggled. So I think that L.A. Rams, great game. Matthew Stafford, phenomenal game. Cooper got during Cup. I'm telling you right now, that guy is, he's another phenomenal one. And OBJ, just making one of the best comebacks, went from the Browns to now going to the Super Bowl. I can't wait to see what his social media looked like because he about to just ball out. I just knew when he was writing, you know, I just want to thank God for everything, like in the mirror, like doing these little videos. I was just like, yo, he about to ball out. I just know it. The second you start thanking God, um, which is what he was doing on his um social media, I just felt like he was about to do something great. I don't know. I just I I see when players start doing these like little snippet videos on their own, not like with the team. On their own, I just feel like like there's something deeper meaning there, something they're meditating on, something they're man. I don't know, but homeboy had a heavy incentive based contract. Again, I talked about this last episode where if he won one of the playoff games, he got like a two hundred fifty thousand dollars bonus. Won the um I think it was the AFC champion or NFC championship. He would get a $750,000 bonus. Imagine what he's, he's going to get, I think, over a, about close to a million or a million if he wins the Super Bowl. This is all incentive-based. So all his bonuses came from them winning. What a great motivator. Who says money can't be a motivator? <laughs> Who says money can't motivate you the right way? Man, daggone, shout out to OBJ's manager for making that contract. That was smart. Um, So <laughs> those were the games over the weekend. That means officially we have Super Bowl contenders, Bengals versus the L.A. Rams, February 13th. It's going to be one heck of a game. I'm going to be watching it from my living room. I can only imagine. The L.A. Rams are the second, I think, second or third team in history next to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to host a Super Bowl in their own home territory. Absolutely phenomenal. Great team. I can't wait to see what they're going to do, you know, about the halftime show, you know, you got Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Mary J, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, you got Matthew Stafford, who came from Detroit Lions, I feel like, I'm not Detroit, well, he did come from the Detroit Lions, but to know that this is as close as Detroit is probably going to get to Super Bowl, that was my shade, um, I honestly think it's going to be a phenomenal game to watch wherever you are, if you can tune in and watch that you're, you don't wanna miss what is gonna be a powerful, amazing show. Like I'm so hyped just for halftime alone, but to have two great teams that really just kept pushing through, had a slow start, had some difficulties, bounced back. They deserve to be in a Super Bowl, so great work there. Let's go ahead and switch topics for a second and talk about what you probably are already aware of if you have a phone and you have access to the internet. Tom Brady, everybody. First, can I say Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger, We knew. We were like, yeah, after Ben got hit that one time on the field this season and he struggled to get up and a teammate had to help him up, I was like, yeah, Big Ben about to retire. So Big Ben has announced he's retiring. So that's done. And then right, not right behind him, but like maybe a little bit down the road, if you will, time-wise, Adam Schefter, who's a very well-known ESPN correspondent analyst all of the above. I I bet he has two phones cuz he just has everybody on speed dial. Like he he gets all the tea. I feel like if he doesn't say it, I'm not going to believe it. So, Adam Schefter reported from re- like a re- super reliable source that Tom Brady is retiring. Then Tom Brady's camp, Bruce Arians head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady's dad was like No, no, he's not. Or at least, no, we don't want to speculate right now. We want to give him time to just, you know, meditate, think about what he wants to do. Then, not even a little while after that, Tom Brady goes on social media. I think it was like a day later, 24 hours to 48 hours later, Tom Brady puts a post on Instagram stating that he is officially retiring, going to now, um, you know, focus on the next chapter, other endeavors that require his attention, You know, this is a guy who is a family guy. What a hell of a career. The GOAT is retiring from the NFL. 22 years, seven Super Bowl championships, countless, you know, divisional championships, 10 visits to the Super Bowl. So he spent his whole year this season breaking his own records what a phenomenal career. I, I, I don't understand how you couldn't be more satisfied than that. Like I, he actually used that term in an interview that he is satisfied with his career. And I, you know, this is a guy. He's going on 45 years old. I think his birthday is at the end of the summer and he's just really played at the highest level and he just has successfully made everybody around him great. And I think, you know, what a career. So, you know, impressed. I honestly like low key just admire his leadership skills. I said, if he ever came out with a book, I'd probably buy it because his leadership skills on how he made everyone around him. Great. If you ever get a chance, go watch his um, documentary, man in the arena, um, ESPN. I watched it. It was phenomenal to hear him tell his story about some of the most difficult challenges he faced during his journey, um, in the NFL for some of the most biggest games we watched him play in, which was darn near almost all of them. Um, so that was a huge shocker. I don't think it was shocking. I think because it was blown before he could say something that it the the shock was taken away. He didn't have control of the narrative because somebody leaked it and kind of snitched before he could say anything. And I'm like, this man is out of town on vacation and they're telling me, hey, by the way, everybody's really like because and who the source was, everybody believed it. They were like, he must know something we don't know. And everybody's posting, what a hell of a career, blah, blah, blah. And like then Tom Brady's like his camp is like wait hey we never announced anything I think the biggest part lesson from this is just you know you have to be able to as a public figure trust people in your camp especially when you're making an important announcement about something it's really terrible if someone comes and takes that away from you where you no longer have control of the narrative of something so valuable so important to you And I think, honestly, I feel for Tom Brady, I'm really kind of hurt for him that that happened, that someone's leaked it in to such a powerful source. This wasn't like it was leaked to like some random news outlet. This was leaked to someone that when he tweets stuff about who's doing what, everybody believes it because of just his reputation and caliber in the NFL. And when he said it, we were like, oh, this has to be true. So, you know, and it technically was but I think the reason why they wanted to try to control the narrative is they wanted Tom Brady to have that control to be able to announce when he was ready to announce and you know again played at the highest level this isn't the last time we're going to hear his name I'm sure he has his new line clothing line coming out called Brady like this man has built you know TB12 he's built a brand for himself in 22 years of playing football and I mean I know he mentioned in an interview that he'd probably have to do therapy because performing at a high level every single week and then kind of retiring from that. And I mean, at most, you may have meetings for your clothing lines and your your outward businesses, but he will be around your family way more than what you're used to, which is a great thing. But also, too, there's a good chunk of your time that's going to be kind of empty a little bit because... Of the simple fact that it was filled with football, so uh, you know I'm interested to see what he he does further, um, how he continues to build. I, I'm so glad he has a presence on social media. There was a time when he didn't. So shout out to Tom Brady, 22 years, hell of a career. He is the goat. I don't care what anybody says you could come talk to me about everybody else Ben Roethlisberger hell of a career you know i i can't wait to see what these these guys do next but what i'm not worried about the next generation of quarterbacks looking at Matthew Stafford looking at Patrick Mahomes looking at Josh Allen you know looking at Kyler Murray looking at these quarterbacks that are young you know Joe Burrow um wow i forgot the other kid's name who's the quarterback for the Chargers um Justin, um, Herbert, like just looking at the caliber of quarterbacks that are being left with, we're in good hands. We're still going to get some good football. So don't worry about that. Just lots of announcements. Um, so as you know, um, there were some big, you know, I gotta, I can't end it without giving you a little snippet of a little bit of tea that I saw in the media. Again, this is all allegedly, um, we had the head coach, everybody knows the head coach from the Miami Dolphins was fired, right? Y'all ready for this tea? I'm ready for this tea. I'm actually trying to pull it up on my phone. Here we go, yep. So former head coach from Miami Dolphins, um, he actually, it, he started Black History Month off in the most interesting way. I'll say that for sure, because you know, it's February 2nd and he is actually, he filed a lawsuit against the NFL, against the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and the Miami Dolphins for discriminatory, allegedly discriminatory practices in the hiring process for head coach and for GM. Um, This was filed. This is absolutely crazy. Like, we, I don't think we've had, you know, um, a, a coach. It's Brian Flores. So there was some also, he leaked some some text messages between him and Bill Belichick. I guess Bill Belichick was congratulating him for a job that he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Bill Belichick is like, congratulations. He's like, for what? <laughs> like, I just, y'all, please go read about this. Go pop up an article. I'm kind of still catching up on a lot of the information. But yep, Brian Flores, who was the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, suing uh, multiple teams. And by multiple, I mean like two, I think two or three, any NFL itself. Um, he's alleging discriminatory practices as a leading factor that has been the determining process for the interview process um, as well as hiring GMs and head coaches. Um, he said that you know they accused him for the Miami Dolphins of being non-compliant um, when it came to like losing games versus winning games. It's very, very interesting because this is the first time I think in like a good minute we've seen a you know black head coach who was fired you know, file a lawsuit regarding discriminatory practices against the NFL. And I, I'm interested to see where this is going to go, because there's been a lot of stigma around black coaches in the number that we had. Like, I think um, Mike Tomlin is the longest running African-American coach in NFL history, head coach, head coach right, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So to be fair, like, you see these African-American coaches get these jobs and then they don't last longer than a year and they get fired. Okay, if but you also find you don't see, I think there's only maybe one African-American GM out there. I, I, I don't know all the exact numbers, but I know it's definitely not a lot. Like, it's less than, I think, 3 or 4%, which is crazy considering that over 72% of the NFL is filled with African-American players. Over 72, you know that's over half. So I just feel like, you know, it's. We're, I'm going to watch how this plays out. We'll probably report more on this as well. But Brian Flores, go read a couple articles on it. It was really mind-blowing. This is the first time we, in, at least in my tenure with football, seeing something like this happen. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because the NFL has really kind of struggled with – hiring African-American coaches and GMs, which is two of the most powerful positions on any team franchise, and you don't fill them with African-Americans. And I remember I was watching a video before I close out. I was watching a video of you know the announcers. It was like uh, Michael Stranhan, it, it was uh, Jim Brown. It was a whole bunch of them after a game that was sitting around the table talking about this. And one of the analysts was like, well, you got to hire you know, black GMs and then black GMs can hire black coaches. And because black GMs are the decision makers, that's a direct quote. Um, because I watched the video like seven times and the other guy across the table was like, it shouldn't take black people to hire black people. We should just honestly be hiring the best person for the job. And I feel like if you're the best person for the job is an African-American and you're not hiring that person who has the best qualifications for the job meets everything that you're looking for, but you're not hiring them just because they're black. That's actually a whole nother problem. That's, you know, um, that's racist. That's discriminatory practices. So that was the point he was making. And we hope that we can start breaking through more barriers so that we don't have to continuously keep having these conversations about these behaviors that you should just know are wrong, you know? So, Definitely go look up that case. This case is blown wide open. It's very interesting to see where it's going to go. And as you know, a not your average cheerleader, we report on everything NFL, and this is NFL news. So stick with me. We have the Super Bowl. We have one week off. Sorry, like my throat got stuck. Um, We have one week off. And then we have the Super Bowl February 13th. I'll be doing um, my second to last episode from there. And then we're going to close out season three with a bang, a great recap. But I'll have some special stuff for you over the break, as well as some great interviews that I'm lining up with some NFL players. Um, You know, I got to keep you on your toes. And I appreciate you all supporting me. Again, if you liked and enjoyed this, don't forget to like and subscribe because there's going to be more of me like there's going to be more. <laughs> I love you all. Have a great day. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Black History Month. Support your Black businesses, your Black authors, your Black creators, um, because Black history is American history. And there's so much more that we can learn that we could take beyond just Black History Month and create like a Black, you know, historical future, if you will. So enjoy the rest of your day. I appreciate every last one of you. Bye.